Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Wednesday, August the 22nd. And welcome to our to our commentary. Well, just a few thoughts about the GOP debate tonight. This is like a preview. We're going to get into more specifics uh, about the debate on Thursday when we do our video on Thursday. And that's because we will be analyzing the debate with my friend uh, Richard Baer, uh, political correspondent uh, or senior political correspondent at the American Thinker. We'll be talking more about the debate and what went down, who said what, who benefited, and so on. So more of that on Thursday. But I'll just kind of give you some thoughts today, my thoughts about the debate. Uh, First of all, this is such an unusual political debate. And what I mean by that is that the big man is not there. So this is like going to to the, you know, to uh so one of these places where they have fish, I can't think of the name right now, aquarium. That's it, an aquarium. And you go to the aquarium and there's the pool, and there's a gigantic shark and all the other fish around him. Well, who are you gonna look at? The shark. He takes all the attention, he takes all the all the attention. And that's the problem here that Trump continues to take all the attention and to make matters worse for the other candidates, Trump is going to have all the attention on Thursday, the day after the debate, because he's going to be down in Georgia uh, getting arraigned. So I don't expect a lot out of this debate, but I do expect you know the candidates to look okay and look fine. Some of the lesser known candidates, uh, like a Chris Christie, not lesser known, but let's say with lower ratings, uh, may use the opportunity to say things to provoke a reaction. But I think most of the candidates, my guess is that they're going to be fairly conservative in how they speak, because the one thing you don't want to do with 30 or 35 million people watching is make a mistake or say something stupid that comes back to haunt you later. So I think most of them are probably going to stay to their playbook uh, or the 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 stuff that they had practiced in you know in private or how to answer questions and so on and i think that's what's going to be like i expect that will be the case with the exception of chris christie who i think needs to you know show that he's different and he may say some he'll i think he'll attack uh president ford i mean president trump in a very forceful way but i'm not sure how effective that is at this stage of the game maybe at another time but not uh at this stage of the game. So my guess is that when we get together with my friend Richard Baer on Thursday afternoon to look to uh, analyze the debate is that uh, we'll probably say not much happened and everybody got through okay. And then, of course, everybody's going to be talking about President Trump and his legal situation. Uh, So that's how I see it. I don't see any big deal. I don't see any big changes. And part of the problem is that it's awfully early. And that's the other thing. I'm not sure how many Americans are tuned in to a presidential debate, you know, summer 2023. I don't know. We may be starting these uh, campaigns a little bit too early for most uh, for most people. I remember when debates used to be in December and January and February because we had primaries uh, that started at that time. Today, it just seems to me we're going way too early. And, you know, how interested is that or how many people really want to watch that? Well, 
I, I think there will be a good audience tonight for Fox. But again, not the kind of audience they would have, of course, if if Trump was there. If Trump was there, I mean, the numbers would be ridiculous. So no big deal tonight. That's my prediction. No big deal tonight. And one of the problems that I think the candidates are going to have to look out for is saying something stupid or saying something that is misunderstood or saying something they have to defend after the, the debate. So that's why I think most of them will stick to whatever they've been practicing uh, before the uh, during the debate prep, as they like to call it. Well, a couple of issues I want to touch on today. Of course, everybody's talking about President Biden in Hawaii. I have a post about this over at the American Thinker. What we saw from President Biden in Hawaii is disgusting. I mean, here's a man who goes to speak to people who've lost a community that who has lost over a hundred people. Another thousand, I believe, are still missing. So you could have, this could be one of the worst catastrophes in American history, certainly recent American history. And you have President Biden talking about a stupid fire in his kitchen uh, almost 20 years ago, a fire that was over in 20 minutes, a fire where no one died, no one got hurt, maybe some property damage that you settle with an insurance claim. I mean, it's ridiculous. And I think once again, we're seeing a man who's tone deaf and we're seeing a man who cannot be trusted when he's on the microphone, when he's when he is not reading a script. He's a problem. That's all I can tell you. When he's not reading a script, he is a problem, which is why the Democrats are going to do everything they can to keep him away from microphones for the rest of his presidency. And if he's the nominee in 2024, I wouldn't be surprised if he refuses debates. I would not be surprised if he does because he cannot do a debate. It's as simple as that. He cannot do a debate. I mean, how how do you expect that man to do a debate after what we've been watching on in some of these uh, opportunities where he gets to speak uh, with a microphone in his hand? I mean, it's, it's sad really in a way, but that is where we are. So check out my post over at the American at the American Thinker, the, the the name of the post is a Corvette or my Corvette. I think that's the, the name of the post. Well, a couple of things that we've seen here in the news recently. The first one is that if you own a retail store, whether you work uh, for a major retail store or whether you have your own little shop uh, somewhere on, you know, in a community or whatever, you're beginning to have a serious problem with shoplifting. Now, this is especially true in the big cities, maybe not a big problem in a small town or a small community where the police is still allowed to do their job. But if you have a, a re, if you work at a retail store in L.A., in Minneapolis, in Chicago, in these large cities run by the Democrat Party in New York, uh, shoplifting is a major problem. And a couple of retail retail stores uh, reported losses uh, or lower revenue in their last uh, financial reports, and they blame it on shoplifting. Shoplifting has become a real problem in these communities. Now, shoplifting has always been a a calculation that every retail uh, owner or merchant calculates. You always knew that there was going to be a certain amount of shoplifting, uh, but it was always a very small and controllable amount. Now it's become a real problem. Now you have, and you see any of these videos that we watch on TV, 
of these young people walking into stores. Now, most of the stores they're walking into are expensive stores. Have you noticed that? They walk into the rich places and they steal all the expensive stuff. And then we find out later on that they're selling it uh, out of their trunk out on the street somewhere. That's what this is. This is organized. This is targeted. And actually, this would be very easy for the police to put out if they were allowed to put out. Because all they would have to do is arrest 10 of these people and they would tell them who the other 20 are. But no, because in many of these communities, nothing, there's no consequence to shoplifting. And shoplifting has become a real financial problem for some of the retail stores, some of the retail giants. They, they're starting to face a real crisis. And what can they do about it? Well, there's not much they can do about it. I mean, they can lock their merchandise, but that's probably not good for the other customers. They can lock their doors, but then uh, how can you be a retail shop with your doors are closed? Uh, the only person who can intervene or the only people who can intervene in this is the local political class, the mayor, the city council, who orders the police to take care of the problem. It simply tells the police, hey, take back the streets and go after these people. And if we capture them, if we arrest them, we're going to punish them very hard. And then all of a sudden the message goes out to all these young people that shoplifting is not a game anymore, that there are real consequences from it. And I think that's the only way you're going to bring it uh, to an end. But right now, right now it's a mess. It's a real mess, shoplifting, and it's starting to hurt the pocketbook of many of these retail retail stores. It's a terrible thing, but it's a consequence of living in a society where shoplifting has no consequences. I mean, I remember as a kid that you knew that if you got, if you went into a store and you stole some candy bar or whatever, that there would be consequences. You know, you might get away with it, but if you got caught, there were going to be some real consequences. Apparently that's not the case anymore. You know, shoplifting goes on and on. No big, uh, no big deal. No consequences. And that is a real problem uh, in the United States today. Well, there's some talk about bringing back, you know, the mask, you know, that we had during COVID. I don't think they're going to be able to enforce it because I don't think a lot of states are going to go along with it. You may have some public sector buildings that will go along with it, but I think most of the private sector will refuse it. And if it does happen, it's all going to be voluntary anyway, which is okay with me if you want to wear a mask. If that makes you feel better, go right ahead. But I just don't think they're going to be able to enforce it. I just don't see how they're going to be able to enforce it. Not after the experience we've had with it. It's just uh, absolutely horrible. I don't know how they're going to react in the schools. Because I think a lot of parents are just going to say, that's it. I'm, I'm taking my kid out of the school if they're going to force my kid to wear a mask uh, again. So I don't think it's going to be very successful, but there's all kinds of talk about it that they're going to bring it, uh, they're going to bring it back. What I want to leave you today with a birthday greeting. I want to say happy number 92 to a lady named Barbara Eden. Now, some of you may not remember who she is, but she used to be the genie in I Dream of Genie. Remember that program, I Dream of Genie? Well, Barbara Eden was the genie, and she is 92 today, and she looks great. So happy birthday to Barbara, I Dream of Jeannie Eden. What an absolutely uh, great program that was, and what a delightful character she was. And Captain Nelson, of course, who was on that show as well, Captain Nelson. 
of course, became J.R. Ewing in that program that came about 10 years later called Dallas. But that's for another show. So happy birthday to I Dream of Jeannie. Jeannie, happy number 92. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later.